Did you know using your browser in incognito mode doesn't actually protect your privacy? Take back your privacy with IPVanish VPN. Just one tap and all your data, passwords, communications, browsing history, and more will be instantly protected. IPVanish makes you virtually invisible online. Use IPVanish on all your devices, anytime you go online at home and especially on public Wi-Fi. Get IPVanish now for 70% off a yearly plan with this exclusive offer at IPVanish.com audio. Hey, y'all, Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. Welcome to the BritFlix.com podcast. Today I've got with me a co-writing partnership. And I think, actually, this is a first, lads. This is a first. Um, I've got Dudley's Finest, uh, Nathan Brooks, and uh, Bobby Lee Darby. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. And how is it up in the uh, the black country? It's wet and damp. It's the same pretty in much, London. I think it's pretty, pretty, pretty much a regular day, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, what film have we come? What film are we uh, brings us together with these microphones and the Skype link? The film that brings us together is See No Evil Two. Okay, and do you want to give us a brief synopsis of that? Uh, See No Evil Two begins where the first movie ended, with right. Jacob Goodnight's corpse being transported to the city morgue, where a group of friends are throwing a surprise party for their friend whose birthday it is, and as the party gets underway. Jacob returns and resumes his murderous streak with an array of surgical instruments. So is, is it safe to say this is a, a good old-fashioned slasher movie? Yeah. Yeah, this is a good old-fashioned slasher movie, a homage to 80s slasher movies that we loved, like Halloween, Halloween 2, Friday the 13th, um, and hopefully horror fans will like it. Yeah, it's really a love letter to the to the eighties movies that that we grew up on, basically. Okay, okay. Look, before we go into uh, into more detail about that, do you want should we just rewind the clock here? So, for the for the, I mean, one, how did the pair of you come together as as a, as a partnership? Yeah. How did how did that come about? Um, we we knew each other from college, and we both wrote wrote separately. Right. Um, and we just for fun, we just thought should we write one together, and we wrote a script called Slaughter. Um, and entered it for the Slam Dance Horror Screenplay Competition back in 2007, 2008. Okay. And it won it won the top prize. Um, oh, okay. And ever since then, we've been we've been partnership and writing together. And what what do you think it was that you found writing as a pair that you maybe weren't getting writing on your own? Um, someone to talk to. <laughs> yeah, writing's lonely. So um, a, a wealth of ideas. Uh, you can throw stuff back off each other. You can try and top one another, which is always cool. So you end up with something even better. Yeah. Um, and we both dug. We'd like the same films. We were big genre writers, big genre fans. Hmm. So there was there was always that kinship. And um, 
and as 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 writers, then when you're when you when you start off with a new idea, mm-hmm. what's, what's your approach? Are you do you just dive in? Are you are you index card? Are you outlining? Uh, we always start with an outline, so okay. we'll we'll pretty much map the movie out the way we see it. Mm. We'll agree on that. Um, yeah, it goes through a quite a intricate um, outlining stage, and once we're happy with the outline, then we'll then we'll begin our first draft. Mm. Providing that the the ideas um, that we think the idea is good enough, because sometimes you can get an idea, spend two weeks going back and forth, and then you just throw it out and move on to something else. And how, how, I mean, how does that feel? You know, the, the, the notion, I mean, there's, there was that phrase about, you know, don't be, don't be afraid to uh, kill your babies, but obviously kill an idea, which is far more than just simply getting rid of a scene. Yeah, um, just, it's all about getting, being strung out the gate, really, and getting a good concept. Hmm. Getting a, a strong enough concept that you think, you know, is worth paying £10 or whatever at the cinema to watch. Yeah. So if, if, we, if we haven't done that, we, we usually put stuff on the back burner and don't pursue it. We don't think it's strong enough from the from the get-go. But you're, sometimes you only find that out, you know, after two weeks of writing it and then realising maybe it's not as strong as you were, you first envisioned. But I guess I guess there's always positives that come out of that, that thing, that there's going to be some nuggets in there that are going to be useful elsewhere, aren't there? That's kind of... Yeah, totally. Um, I mean, a lot of our ideas we run by our, by our um, agent and manager. Okay. And they're, they're pretty much on the pulse as well with, with what's selling and what people are looking for. So a lot of the time they'll, say, they'll just say yes or no. Okay. So, so, you, so basically, is that, is that a sense of just coming up with sort of strong log lines that seem to have sort of high concept in them? And <clears throat> We tend to work that way because a lot of the stuff we've, done, we've written is pretty much high concept. Like you read the log and like, oh, I'd watch that movie. So we've always kind of worked that way. Mm. Just we, like, we like those kind of genre movies that, you know, we want to write that high concept movie. So we've always worked that way and tried to have strong logs. So. And is, is, there an, is there an obvious influence on you, you two as, uh, as writers, do you think? I would say, um, from a from a writer's point of view, of a writer that we like, I'd say someone like um, a, a, there's a writer we really like called Anthony Jaswinski. Okay. Or um, Kurtzman and Orkey, people like that who you know they are concept guys. Right. Yeah, Ben McGid. I'm a big fan of Ben McGid. Um, Travis yeah. Beecham. Travis Beecham. Yeah. And what is it about? What is it about their work that you think is 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 useful for for screenwriters? To... Uh, I, think... I think it's different writing a spec than and then writing a production draft. With a spec, it's literally a sales document, so you've got to set out your stall and keep the reader engaged, keep the reader turning the pages. Mm. Um, and with the writers that we've mentioned, they they do that. You know, you, mm. you're hard pressed to pick up a Jaswinski script and kind of put it down. Um, there's lots of white on the page. They keep you turning. Um, you're always interested, and you know that's 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 part of the art. I th- I think those writers that we like always find good hooks, right, in, into the world, into the script they're writing. And I think if you get a good hook, then um, something you know, something the audience will enjoy. Then you're already off to a winner. Now you've, now you've used some you've used some jargon there that maybe some listeners don't necessarily know. So you've said spec script, which I think people would know is a speculative script, i.e., starting from a blank bit of paper. But you yep. also said a production draft, or I think it's production script. What, yeah. what, 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 what's the difference there? What, what's that? Is that what literally write me a script? Yeah, it's like the shooting script. So it's um, 
it's just in in a, in a speculative script. Obviously, it's you know, we're trying to trying to sell it, trying to engage a reader on that level. Mm. So the language we use is probably more exciting um, in terms of that. Production drafts more more locked down script, and um, you know it gets goes through several changes. So yeah, so in a spec draft, you're literally trying to entertain and sell. So, so a spec draft is 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 seen to be the more is is wanting to be more readable because it's trying it's trying to be like you say exciting, whereas the yeah, the production one is yeah. the one you're going to film. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. So, <clears throat> Sea Evil Two is um, is done through WWE Pictures, yeah. It is, yeah. So, how do two lads from the West Midlands get to be uh, working on a movie for them? <laughs> um. We... I don't mean that as an insult. I mean, as in, like, if there's if there's more lads in. <laughs> oh, in the I, I took that on the chin there, Stuart. <laughs> <laughs> we uh, we wrote uh, we wrote a spec script that they brought to us a couple of years ago called Bermuda. Okay. And um, they they were impressed with what we did with that um, in the rewrite process. Hmm. And uh, and they came to us and said we're going to do Senior Evil Two. Uh, would you be interested in pitching? So. We rewatched the first first movie and then um, we pitched for it and luckily WWE and Lionsgate liked it mm. and they hired us to write it. And what did what did what did pitching it involve? Uh, it was um, see, it was, basically we did an outline. We broke down the story. Um, we we watched the first one and realised what was what was missing from it. What we felt was was lacking. Yeah. Um, and then we, we literally outline the movie, how it go, come up with like some of the cool set pieces that you'll see in the film, um, and basically just did an outline and walk walk them through the film, and they walked into the movie and they they liked our take on it. I mean, I, I think our, our big thing with our pitch was we wanted we wanted to make um, Jacob iconic, and we yeah. wanted to like create like a Michael Myers or a, a Jason character, and they. Uh, they really dug that. That was one of the things I really liked about the um, about pitch. I mean, was the was the first one not seen as a franchise? Then was the first one just seen as an, a one off? Uh, I think that they wanted it to be a franchise. Um, yeah. It did quite well the first one. If yeah, you actually yeah. look at what it, how well it did, it did quite well. It's on DVD. Um, but yeah, they always wanted to. But it, I, I, why it didn't happen? I, I don't know. know. I think there was there was a regime change over at the studio. Okay. And um, I think. Um, that project was put on the back burner, and it took eight years for them to um, to bring it back for the new regime to look at it and say, "Okay, there's something we can do with this." Eight years for Jacob Goodnight to return. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like a tag. Sounds like a tag. He never, he, can, he never stays dead. Yeah. <laughs> so, so from that, from when you get given the gig, as it were, I mean, mm-hmm. can you say how long you were, you were given to to then come up with the first draft that they would review? Is it? Or was it not that simple a process? Um, yeah, it's yeah. From pretty, once you got the outline, everyone signed off on it, and everyone was like, "Yeah, this is a movie we want to make." Then, um, yeah, they, we, we commenced. So, I think it was ten, ten weeks. Ten weeks, roughly. Um, I think the contract said ten weeks. I think we handed it in after about maybe seven, seven or eight. And then there was some notes, and then we did a rewrite, which was probably. A, about another four weeks, and then from that second draft, they went straight to straight to directors. Okay, so I was just going to ask then, actually, what 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 point did 
because the Soskia sisters who did American Mary are, are directing this movie. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, go on, sorry. Well, he pretty much went straight out directors off that off that second revised version. <laughs> um, went out to a few directors and yeah, eventually the so- landed the Soskis, which we were really happy I mean, about. They told us it was going out to directors, but they never said which directors. So initially, we we were like, I hope they get do get someone good who understands understands a movie and um, and likes the type of movies that we know we're paying homage to. And then when we found out it was the Soskas and um, you know being fans from American Mary, mm. you know we we were overjoyed. And then when once we spoke to them. You know, they totally got the movie, all the movies we liked, they liked, and, um, you know, it couldn't have gone any better. And what's the process like from then? I mean, do, 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 do the, does the director then say to you, well, look, here's my notes based on, now I've got the gig, as it were, or is it just left to them to develop the script as they... As they no, they, they come back with their notes, and then we, we did another pass based on their notes and okay. the producer's notes. So it's an ongoing process, really. So how many? How many? I mean, how many? How many drafts have you done then of this altogether? Do you think? Um, we did two, and then we probably did. We did a third, yeah. which was directors and producer notes, and then maybe a couple more, which were based on um, the budget and so, where they're filming and logistics and things they couldn't film had to be changed due to the location they were filming in. Uh, okay. So, so yeah, about four passes, I'd say. Wow. Okay. okay. Four different versions, yeah. And then some, what, two or three production policies. Yeah. So like little tweaks here and there. <laughs> so, um, what, what, what from your, from a writing point of view, what were the, what were the story challenge, storytelling challenges for you, when you, when you were pulling it together? Because obviously you're taking something that already exists, but then you're trying to elevate it and make it better. Yeah. Presumably, you're not gonna. Nobody's gonna try and either just flatline it. You're gonna think yeah. this is my opportunity to really <laughs> raise the flag for this character. <clears throat> uh, rebooting Jacob really was, mm. was a lot of fun. Um, tooling, him, tooling him up, um, and just making him iconic, make him stand out. We wanted him to be, you know, when Halloween come around, cosplayers want to dress up as him. It, that was the challenge. Can we, oh, okay. can we? Can we elevate him to that level? Um, and to make him scary, because in the first one, Glenn Jacobs is just, it's all there for Jacob Goodnight to be really, really scary, and he's mm. hes not as scary as he could have been. But in this one, we really uh, we, we took the challenge to make him as formidable as possible. I think um, I think one of the other challenges was um, that, it, that it was contained, that it was one yeah, location. Yeah. It was, um, you know, WWE wanted a minimal cast... Hmm. Um, so we we've got um, maybe seven seven characters in the whole movie. Okay. And um, just to keep it going and not let the script get repetitive, and, um, and just keep coming up with set pieces that they could do on the budget. Yeah, coming up with inventive curls, and you know, not and sometimes not having a money holes to solve your problems, having to be having to be creative and be smart with the uh, with the curls and the set pieces. Now I'm sure I'm sure some of the notes weren't weren't as exciting as you want to be, but just to give us a, give us an insight into where getting notes on scripts helps to take it forward. What were some of your favourite notes you received that helped take the script forward? Um, <laughs> there was there were some some really good notes from the Soska sisters. Um, yeah. One of them was changing a a male character to a female character. Okay. And if if you've seen 
if you've seen the trailer, the um, it's the Catherine Isabel character was originally um, was originally male. Okay. And they came in and they were like, we want to do this with this character and we want this character to kiss Jacob Goodnight. So that was fun. That was a really good note. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that was cool to write. Um, I, there's some other stuff I don't really want to say. Yeah, there'll giving... be spoilers. Oh, you'll be spoiling the film. Okay. I mean, um... there was, there was a, there's a kill that's really cool in the film um, involving... Um, I don't... One of the characters. Yeah, one of the Spoiler characters. Spoiler alert. Yeah. Um, it involves it involves Michael Eklund that that they came up with um, with with what happens to him, which is it's it's quite um, it's quite dark humour. Yeah. So hopefully the audience will get a giggle out of um, the way Jacob dispatches him. Cool. If you don't already subscribe to Britflix, just sign up for free at iTunes, and you'll get the next episode right after we launch it. Or follow at Britflix on Twitter for links to the podcast to stream from the website directly. Thank you. So, I mean, just just to give us an idea, then, what's you know balancing the the, the notion between you know getting notes that improve the script, and then your your not fragile ego, but as writers, you know, it's this kind of you, you, there's there's got to be some ego involved. How do you negotiate that? The, the, the balance between a note helping a script and wanting to kind of hold on to what you thought was a strength in the script? Um, just go off instincts, a lot of it. You, you know, you kind of know if something's going to work or not, or you trust it will. And, uh, if, if you know, if, some, if you don't think something's going to work, then, you know, just try and, we try and top it, you know, try and come up with a, a different way of doing it and, get, you know, sell them on that. So... Yeah, I think it wouldn't... I think once it gets to um like the pre-production, and then you're doing you're doing rewrites. Mm. I think a lot of it is um is it's not down to what people like or dislike. It's mainly down to like just what they can do with a budget. Okay. So you've just kind of just got to be understanding of where they're coming from, um, and realize you know just because of logistics of of where to shoot and they can't do what's on the page so then it's just about coming up with something new and, and like Nathan said something you know something that tops that scene that was mm. script no I remember um, I remember Charlie Brooker talking about doing dead set and he, he said in the script it said the Range Rover comes down a country road it stops and the guy gets out and then the car blows up <laughs> yeah. and, Channel, and Channel 4 went well we're not doing that <laughs> <laughs> so it literally was the car breaks down and that's it <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but it, it didn't didn't spoil it. But obviously, it's not as spectacular as a car blowing up. But the budget wasn't going to stretch that far for something that ultimately wasn't going to be that important to the story overall beyond the car stopping. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Some of it is just you know what works better for the story. What is integral to the story? Um, yeah. Do we need this? Don't we? You know, how's that scene helping? Um, you know, just things like and just you know understand. I mean. From our first draft, um, all the set pieces, bar one, which they couldn't shoot because of logistics and budget. But we'll use it in Ceno Evil 3. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, they stayed. but um, And then with, with the set pieces that, that, that all, all make to the movie, it was just a matter of just tweaking mm. to suit the location and the budget. Okay. So when... when um... 
what's what's the release date for Sin Evil Two? Uh, it's uh, October seventeenth on video on demand, and then the twentieth, I believe, on um, Blu-ray and DVD. Okay, and that's that's for UK audiences, yeah. Yeah. So when we say video on demand, is that was that iTunes and Virgin Filmflex? Yeah, I think it'd be iTunes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And um, DVD and Blu-ray. Yeah, on the twentieth in the UK. Right then. Um, I probably should have pre-warned you about this question, but I, f- I forgot to. But I'm sure you'll have a good answer. Um, <laughs> as 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 we're Britflix, and um, we're um, we, we do British films, and obviously you're British filmmakers, which is why we're talking to you about this film, though not strictly a British movie. Mm-hmm. Would you like to would you like to get recommendations of British movies? Um, so, given we're talking about horror, do you yeah. want to give us your British horror film that you think maybe, and it could be a classic or a, if it's a classic film that needs revisiting that you think yeah. deserves more kudos, or a more recent film that you think people might have missed that they should go go and check out. Uh, for me, if it's a classic uh, that, that really stands out, The Descent by Neil Marshall. Okay, it's really one of my favourites. And what yeah. is it about The Descent that you like? I just the tone of it, um, what he does with spaces, claustrophobic. You know, it's really not a week to alien in places, and the mm. twists. You know. The twists in it are so good, but uh, yeah, it's just uh, it. You know, people are scared of a uh, pothole in anyway, so they to have um, to have to have monsters in it as well was something um, I didn't expect. But yeah, the descent is one is one of my personal faves. Um, I'd say I was actually going to say the descent as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, stuck now. I'd I'd say Twenty Eight Days Later. Okay. Um, Danny Boyle, just because of of how it just reinvented um, the zombie genre. Um, you know, I thought it was just to see zombies running where we've always just seen them walking was was just a masterstroke. Um, and just the way he shot it on digital and the way he made London um, just look desolate and empty. I'd never seen it before. Mm. Uh, and and I also really liked the last sequence in the house with the soldiers. I think there's, you know, there's a lot of tension there, and I like the different direction the movie goes in. Okay. Um, so, what projects are you working on, um, and at the moment you can talk about, or that's, that's in maybe in post? Um, we've got a movie in post called Lockdown, which is it's also for WWE and Lionsgate again. Yeah. Uh, it's an action movie starring um, Dean Ambrose. And it's about a cop who gets trapped in his police precinct and he goes up against um, a group of dirty cops and they're trying to kill him. Okay. It's kind of like Die Hard. Raid style. Yep. It's just oh. a lot of fun. Should be really good. And they, they, it's actually a British director on that as well. Who's that? Stephen Reynolds. Okay. Great guy. Really good eye for action. And um, I know he's had a lot of fun shooting it. And he's in post now. So he's editing it as we speak. Yeah, he's. I mean, he's he's from he's actually from um, Coventry as well. So. Oh, it's it's a it's a Midlands so massive, it's... isn't it? Hey, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're taking over. <laughs> <laughs> so can I ask you then, when you when you write when you write an action, I mean, it's always something that, that that sort of baffled me about about you know it's like how how much detail do you go in you know with a set piece. You know, there's 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 an easy way of going, and then they fight. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and then yeah. the direct, then the director and the the stunt coordinator works out a beautiful way to fight. And then yep. there's he falls, he bangs, he picks up the meat cleaver. You know, he he falls into a seat of a tractor, 
and so on and so <laughs> forth. Are you? How balletic are you doing on the page? We're quite balletic, yeah. It's all pretty much detailed there. It's all on the page, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we go into a lot of detail. Yeah. We've never, we've never just uh, written our uh, fight sequence here. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know, you, when you're doing dialogue scenes and exposition, and then suddenly when you get to an action scene, you wanna. That's the fun part because you can just blow things up or shoot people. So <laughs> you know, you don't just want to. You don't just want to say, "Oh, they fight." You want to say, "Yeah, he comes at him with a haymaker, he ducks, slips it, headbutts him, knocks a few teeth out." <laughs> But I also, I also think the way we write as well um, kind of calls for us to go into detail. Yeah. Because, uh, I mean, just for example, in lockdown with the fight scenes, um, we had them using uh, things in the environment. So there's there's a fight that takes place in the gym and they're picking up um, like dumbbells and things. So you kind of, you've got to write that so the director can see what what you're going for. Yeah. Okay, I mean, I remember reading um, some of um, Walter Hill's scripts, and he, he, he when he writes, he, he almost he, he, he flips the the slug line, to, yeah, to yeah. being like the forehead, It'd be yeah, like yeah, forehead yeah. smash, you know, into face, fist. yeah, yeah, it's almost haiku the way yeah. the way he writes, yeah, definitely, yeah. definitely, it's kind of it's a real different, it looks really different on the page compared to traditional script writing. I mean, did, did you uh, did you guys play with format and stuff to help you know get across what you want to do? Um, there's like the haiku version, which is Walter Hill, and then there's the really detailed version, which is lots of black on the page. Mm. We're kind of like in the middle, find find that nice medium <laughs> to make it that easy read. So, because uh, the haiku style can be distracting, or I find that's just my personal opinion. Mm. But um, yeah, so like find that happy medium. Yeah, I think it's about just finding the right pace when someone's reading it. You don't want to you don't want to see a fight scene that's going to last. A minute to be four pages of um, of description because you know the reader's going to get bored. So you want to kind of just find the right pace and rhythm with uh, with with scenes like that, action scenes, and that goes the same for scare for you know scary tense yeah. scenes as well. Well, I mean, think thinking of when you're when the pair of you are bouncing ideas off each other. Um, where, where's what's? Give me some of the most unlikely sources where you found inspiration for. Uh... For a scare scene, for example, um, a scare scene. Um, Halloween, Halloween images. Um, I don't know if you've seen them on the internet where they put photos from the nineteen twenties. Yes, I have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really... Kids, things like that are always good because yeah, for spooky um, scares. With them, um, we've seen over too. A lot of it, uh, some of it came from the actual medical instruments that would be in the morgue. Mm. So we're like, shit, we're like fanboys, wet dream, looking through some of these images, thinking, geez, what if you use that? You know, so a lot of the sequences come from what would be in the environment. Right. So that, that kind of generates ideas as well. So so definitely could definitely born out of the research of the kind of locations you're, you're playing in, as it were. Yeah, yeah, especially with Scene Over 2. And what, what, about with, what about with your action stuff? Because obviously there's, there's a... You, you um, cite, you're citing, like, the raid, and obviously the raid is yeah. kind of like... Um, John Woo movies... Just yeah, put a John Woo movie on <laughs> and just soak it all in, and then <laughs> turn on Final Draft and just let it go. Yeah, uh, is it that yeah. easy? <laughs> you didn't know. <laughs> yeah, Jeez, nobody told me that secret. Just the osmosis <laughs> way. The osmosis. That's all you've got to do, Stuart. That's all you've got to do. As long as you've got hard boiled, <laughs> the killer, and then a couple of James Cameron movies, <laughs> you're good to go. 
and the ride, that pretty much answers everything. <laughs> My word, what I got, I bought bullet in the head, what was it, I'm obviously thinking the wrong way, wasn't I? <laughs> <laughs> well, look, what, remind us again, when's See No Evil 2 out? Uh, October 17th on Video On Demand and October 20th on Blu-ray and DVD. Brilliant, brilliant. Well, look, thanks very much, guys, for uh, letting us into the world of the writer and uh, hopefully we can get you on another time when we're, uh, when maybe when the release of Lockdown comes out. Love to, love to. Yep, and nice. uh, thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. My pleasure, my pleasure. It's the podcast. Did you know using your browser in incognito mode doesn't actually protect your privacy? Take back your privacy with IPVanish VPN. Just one tap and all your data, passwords, communications, browsing history, and more will be instantly protected. IPVanish makes you virtually invisible online. Use IPVanish on all your devices, anytime you go online at home and especially on public Wi-Fi. Get IPVanish now for 70% off a yearly plan with this exclusive offer at IPVanish.com audio. Hey y'all, Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. Discover South Carolina.